Hey everyone, Sean Rosensteel here. In today's video, we're gonna be talking about the key points in chapter two, Desire, of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. So desire is the starting point of all achievement, right? It's the first of 12 steps. So what are some of the key points of this desire chapter? So first key point is this idea of burn the ships. This is a tough one for me. I'm on page 23 here. He says that every person who wins in any undertaking must be willing to burn his ships and cut all sources of retreat. Only by doing so can one be sure of maintaining that state of mind known as a burning desire to win, essential to success. For many years, uh, I wanted to write a book and I wanted to develop an online course to support uh, my readers in a deeper way. Uh, that was actually 2016 is when I had that idea. That was four years ago. But I had a business and I was very comfortable in that business. And I knew that in order for me to really take my desire seriously, I would have to stop working in my business. And I never really had the courage to do it, quite frankly. And I tried a few times. Uh, I got somewhat far along writing the book, but then I'd get busy in my business and I'd stop. And then months later, I'd pick it back up and then I'd stop. So what's interesting now about this time we're all living in, uh, this coronavirus has literally, um, you know, a lot of us are out of work. Our businesses are shut down. Our clients have let us go. Oftentimes I'm in a mode of growth with my clients and when businesses aren't in growth mode, uh, I'm out of work. I know a lot of people who have lost their jobs. I mean, many people uh, in this environment are experiencing significant hardships, right? But I'm looking at this as a blessing in disguise. I never had the courage to burn my own ships and leave myself no source of retreat. Uh, so outside external influences now have done that for me. And I will say that had the coronavirus not happened, I would have never uh, been able to finish my book. Uh, my book is actually finished now and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to publishing shortly. It should be out in June. I'm working on developing an online course now to support the readers. I'm doing this Think and Grow Rich video series with you right now. So there's a lot of blessings in this and it's a good lesson for me because moving forward, I'll know that if I have one too many things to focus on and I have something else over here that really piques my interest and it's a burning desire, I'll know better. <laughs> I'll have hopefully more courage to burn my ships, so to speak. Now, the other thing I wanna say is when Napoleon talks about burning his ships or burning the ships, they don't have to be literal. So what I just mentioned was a literal example and I don't think it was ever a responsible choice over the last four years. I have a wife um, who's a full-time mother, and I have three children, six and under. So I don't think it was ever a responsible choice for me to burn down my business <laughs> and, and pursue writing a book. You know, it didn't make a lot of financial sense. So you can also look at it this way, burn the ships. It could be a mindset. It could be one of those limiting beliefs that you know you have. It could be a dominating thought that's holding you back and attracting in all sorts of negative things into your life. 
So make sure that you don't take it literally, that you also look at it in a figuratively, figurative way as well. You must burn your ships. That could include relationships that are negative, right? It could include mindsets and thought patterns you have. Uh, like me, it could actually include uh, a job or, or, or a business. So get creative as you think through this idea of burning your ships and leaving yourself no source of retreat. Retreat, it could mean many things. It doesn't have to be taken literally. So that's the first key point. Second key point of chapter two, desire, is this idea of obsession. I love this. I'm on page 24 now. He says that wishing will not bring riches, but desiring riches with a state of mind that becomes an obsession, then planning definite ways and means to acquire riches and backing those plans with persistence, which does not recognize failure, will bring riches. So I think this is really important. You look at all the people out there who have succeeded in in some walk of life, in some way, shape, or form, they had an obsession. And it usually started with an all-consuming idea, right? It began with an idea. So my question to you is this. This idea that you have, if you, if you have an idea that you're looking to pursue, and it can be, it doesn't have to be related to financial wealth, right? It can be spiritual wealth, mental, emotional wealth, physical wealth, relational wealth, it can be wealth of any kind. It doesn't have to be monetary wealth. Is it an obsession? Are you actually obsessed with this idea? And is it consuming your thoughts before you go to bed? Are you having dreams about it while you sleep? Are you thinking about it in the shower in the next morning or whenever it is that you take showers? Hopefully you take showers. <laughs> I'm assuming you do. But the point is, are you obsessed with it? When I first thought of writing a book four years ago, I wasn't obsessed with the idea. It was a neat idea. And I also always appreciated the many authors that I've learned from who took the time to organize and clarify their thoughts on paper and expose themselves to criticism. You know, I always admired that. And I always wanted to do that someday. At the beginning of this year, writing a book ultimately became an obsession of mine. Um, I assumed an identity of an author and I held that thought in my mind until my book was written. It wasn't easy, but I was obsessed with this idea. So if you're thinking about doing something, but you're kind of holding back and you've been back and forth, very indecisive about it for some time, you might want to challenge yourself and see if it's an actual obsession that you have. And if it's not, and you want to continue pursuing whatever it is, how can you turn that into a... Uh, let's say, a uh, lightweight desire into a burning obsession to move forward, to make a decision, to be more decisive and move forward and advance in the direction of your dreams, right? So interesting point there. Third point here is money consciousness. I'm on page 25 now. Napoleon says, only those who become money conscious ever accumulate great riches. Money consciousness means that the mind has become so thoroughly saturated with the desire for money that one can see oneself already in possession of it. So this relates back to this previous idea of obsession, right? How do you saturate your mind with 
riches. And again, doesn't have to be financially speaking. Um, if I saturate my mind with, uh, you know, I'm picturing like Scrooge McDuck on DuckTales. My kids are getting into that now and I watched that growing up. If I like saturate my mind with, you know, low, millions and millions of dollars and I see money like that, to me, that's not necessarily, I mean, that's great, but it's not my all consuming obsession necessarily. That's not the end goal for me. But I do have riches in mind for other areas of my life. That to me is something that I'd like to saturate my mind with. So this money consciousness concept is fascinating and it doesn't have to be money consciousness. It can be happiness consciousness or it can be successful relationship consciousness. It can be uh, physical health consciousness, peace of mind. It's whatever it is you want. Are you saturating your mind with this all-consuming obsession? It's a pretty cool idea there. Let's see, key point number four, definiteness of purpose. I'm on page 26 now. He says that there is one quality which one must possess to win, and that is definiteness of purpose, the knowledge of what one wants and a burning desire to possess it. So as I mentioned in, I think the preface, the video in the preface, some of us don't know what we want. You know, we don't know what our definiteness of purpose is. And if that's the case, that's okay. We then see clarity. What our purpose is, is obtaining clarity as it relates to our purpose. Others of us have definiteness of purpose. I think there's this misconception about purpose where it only applies to like one area of your life. Like I have a purpose to succeed in business and produce this product or launch this idea or whatever it is. And that's like an all-defining purpose. But for me, I have found meaning and purpose in all sorts of different areas of my life. Uh, I'm, I'm a business owner. Um, I serve my clients. Uh, I serve my wife. I'm a loving husband, or at least I try to be. Um, I'm, I'm a father figure uh, for my three children. I have extended family, I have in-laws, I have friends and communities that I belong to. I'm involved with different nonprofits. I have a lot of purpose in my life. But years ago, I didn't. I didn't have a definiteness of purpose. So the question here is, if you have it, realize what it is and have a definiteness of, definiteness of purpose. If you don't, your definiteness of purpose should be to seek clarity, to find clarity as it relates to what your purpose is, right? So I hope that makes sense. As you read through this book, if you're not sure what it is you're looking for, then just have an awareness that you're on the lookout for it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Clarity is your aim. Fifth key point of this chapter is seeds, this idea of seeds. I'm on page 27 now. And he says that every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent success. So when we fail at something, I like to look at that as feedback. You know, no matter what we do, we are going to get a result. Could be a positive result, could be a negative result, but I'm always on the lookout for results in my own life. So I don't necessarily look at failure as failure. I look at it as, oh good, I just collected some feedback. Now I can use that feedback I collected, make a small pivot or a shift or whatever it needs to be and continue forward. But he says, every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent success. 
So a lot of times when we experience failure in life, there's a seed there. And we need to be on the lookout and have an awareness for that seed because it can bring with it an equivalent success. And then again on page 33, he talks about this idea of a seed again. And he said, every adversity brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. So isn't that interesting? And he's, he's talking here about uh, the story about his son. And as he mentions, his son was born without with what he calls um, the proper hearing equipment. And this story hits close to home because I have two sons of my own. And what an incredible gift he gave his son by teaching him at a very young age not to let, not to accept this adversity. And the story is actually pretty miraculous. I mean, even the doctors, I believe, suggest that. So every adversity brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. So oftentimes we experience adversity and then we go through uh, the processing process of that adversity. And what we find is as we share it, as we become more vulnerable with people and we share it with others, we find that at times other people have either experienced the same or similar adversities or they're dealing with it in that moment. And we can use that opportunity to serve others with our own learnings right? Every adversity brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. So often we can use our adversities and find advantages in those things. So as you think about this, reflect back on your own life and think about some of the own, your own adversity. You know, we, we all experience different adversities in our life and it's all relative, right? For, for, for someone going through you know, something that we might think is, oh gosh, what are they talking about? It's so small. Well, if they're struggling, it's a real struggle. And all these adversities are relevant to each and every one of us. And they're all relative in certain ways, aren't they? So think about that as you remember some of the adversities you've experienced. And maybe you're experiencing one right now. I don't know. I mean, I think we all are in certain ways <laughs> with this coronavirus going on, right? We're all experiencing a certain degree of adversity right now. So as you think through that, try to find that seed of the equivalent advantage as Napoleon states, right? So a really powerful idea there. So that wraps up what I believe are the key points in chapter two, which is all about desire. It's the starting point of all achievement, right? It's the first of 12 steps in Napoleon's formula. So the next video, we're going to be talking about chapter three, faith, powerful ideas there, powerful chapter. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in that video next. Hopefully we'll release that over the next few days here for you. In the meantime, if you found value in this video, please like, please share with someone you know who might benefit and also be sure to subscribe so that you can receive notifications moving forward when I launch the new videos for this series. Look forward to seeing you and serving you in the next video. Take care.